insects, we've got their own wee world, especially ants, it's like a wee country within the nest. They've got their army, they've got the factories, they've got everything in that one wee nest. And then you've got, not just them, but you've got worms who live deep inside the ground, who are only noticeable if you dig it up or if it's raining, and they support a whole life support or a whole ecosystem of loads of other things, such as moles. But you would never really think about it. Most people think, oh, moles are really cool, but nobody thinks how the moles are here. And it's because of insects and stuff like millipedes and centipedes as they go along the ground and they eat the leaves and they put the nutrients back in the soil, which gives the trees nutrients that they need to give us oxygen. And it's, it's a big thing. It's uh, Without insects, nothing would be here because insects are the foundation of the whole ecosystem. And without them, we wouldn't even be here. The Cairngorms naturalist community is biodiverse. Everyone has their specialties, whether that be birds, or bats, or reptiles, or even beetles and obscure mosses. Some are dedicated recorders, and others are fighting for nature's right to exist in the national park. It is a wonderful place to live in and be absorbed into, and the places you see and the people you meet will remain with you forevermore. In this episode, we meet some of the volunteers who define the rare invertebrates in the Cairngorms project. Welcome to RITCAST. This is episode three. That was Xander Johnson speaking at the beginning there. A passionate young volunteer who's thrown himself into the naturalist world and is now teaching others about all the incredible insects you can find in the Cairngorms. We'll hear a little bit from him later on. Now we're gonna hear from a Cairngorms legend. Stuart Taylor is an exemplary example of the kind of naturalist you can find in the Cairngorms. The first time I met him, I discovered a whole range of orchids in one of the most amazing sites for orchids in the whole of the UK. He passed on a mountain of knowledge and I left feeling just full of all this incredible information and, and with a new sort of appreciation for orchids. He's a dedicated naturalist and a conservationist and in the Cairngorms, he is something of a legend. Uh, well, I'm Stuart Taylor. Um, my time in this area uh, took place in 1976 when I came to be the first warden at Lockhartan for the RSPB and over the years we managed to put the case together to say how good a reserve it was with all the pine wood and it grew from 600 hectares to over 12,000 by the time I retired which was quite a nice uh, legacy to leave That's behind. That's incredible yeah. But in the time uh, doing that I, I got to meet quite a few people particularly the man on, on the fungus, John Owen, uh, Peter Orton and then on the Beatles with John Owen and other people coming in who had good ideas of what we were looking for. So possibly a little bit unusual, I, I got involved in trying to record as well as trying to manage and mm -hmm. get to know the place. So you have a lot of um, specialties. What are your sort of main specialties and, and main um, natural loves? I think the thing to put to bed is that 
probably the only thing I'm a specialist in is going out recording birds. So I can go out and recognise all the birds and do all the surveys and I still do a lot for the BTO. Mm -hmm. um, on the other sides, you know, people think I'm a wonder at mosses and at lichens, but I'm not. Um, I've really taken on board just a few mosses, you know, the green shield moss was very rare and then you go out and find a lot. Mm -hmm. And the same thing has happened with lichens. I got, I got some time out with the real expert, John, uh, sorry, um, Brian and Sandy Coppins, mm -hmm. when they were doing the survey at Inge. And I was so intrigued by some of these little pinheads that he was showing me, I thought, let's go and look for them. Yeah. So I've stuck to about two or three dozen species and that's the lichen side. So most of the things I've got involved in, even the fungi, it's tooth fungi. You know, I'm not a very good expert in fungi in general, but I've homed in on a few things that have made quite an impact really because we found a lot of stuff when we've been looking. Well, Abernethy is the place in Britain for them mm. because whether they don't have the same sort of habitat, I mean, it's tracks mainly, it's disturbed ground where they mm. seem to be. And having done a survey over five years of walking all the tracks in Abernethy on an annual basis, you start to build up a picture of what is there. And then when people say, you've seen a, a thousand of those, <laughs> impossible well you do if you walk the tracks you start to find them yeah and then i guess things that seem like noise to other people start to be like obvious signposts to you what drives you and um, to sort of obviously the excitement of finding the thing you're looking for but what drives you to be involved in conservation and um yeah sort of how did you come to be working conservation and yeah because i started working in a factory Okay. I became a draftsman sitting in an office looking out of the window of the black-headed gulls going to roost yeah. on the, the lodge next to the, the factory. And I just packed my job up and I went to be a volunteer with RSPB and one thing led to another. And packing the job up was the best thing we ever did. So it's the adventure and the curiosity that takes you out to these places, I guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, the twin flower one was probably one of the key ones where... Um, the little pikes that we knew growing in Garton Wood, when we did all the thinning in there, mm -hmm. this thing appeared as a, a seedling. Mm -hmm. And I then did all the bird survey work for about five years over the wood and I saw this plant grow. And then sort of 20 years later, I went and visited the plant and it was full of, full of little black dots on its leaves. I thought, what's that? And then that, that led to a survey of the whole of the leaf twin flower that we know around about to identify those two fungi, three fungi, four fungi, one of which was new for Britain. You know, so you you start to you just go off down that you know, I don't do that now but it's addictive I guess, finding new things for and yes. and making new discoveries. Um, and I think that you can't really be involved in things like this unless you're a bit of a geek at heart and probably. Yeah. <laughs> As you can tell, Stuart's quite a modest guy considering how much he's contributed to natural history in the Cairngorms. But like many of the people that work on this project, he just cares about the natural world and cares about recording and knows how important recording is for ensuring that these species survive. We have people of various backgrounds that work on this project and two of the people that work on the project are retired scientists. Fiona and Eileen previously didn't work with invertebrates, they didn't have much experience with them before they came to the project and now since being involved they've developed this wealth of knowledge and they'd still say that they weren't experts in the species that they have gathered all this knowledge in but 
really they are because there are so few people out in the UK and the rest of the world recording insects. So let's hear from them. Hey, my name is Eileen Meaders. I am a retired biomedical scientist now living in Grafton. Um, and I have always had a love of natural history since I was a child when my dad took me in walks and showed everything. So I just wanted to do a little something about natural history now that I'm retired and I've got time to do it. Great. And um, so what did you do as a biomedical scientist? I worked in an NHS hospital um, in a variety of different laboratories doing all the tests behind everything that the doctor does for people. So I worked in pathology and biochemistry and I worked in andrology, which is neurofertility. And I also did some research animal physiology. And do you bring any of the kind of skills that you used um, as a biomedical scientist into looking for rare invertebrates? Well, yes, I do, because you have to be organised and you have to understand what you need data for mm -hmm. and how to collect data and make it meaningful. So all those things were kind of second nature when I was working. So that bit isn't a problem. Mm -hmm. I just don't know very much about insects yet, but I'm learning. Yeah, you are learning, <laughs> and you're now arguably one of the UK experts on a few of these species. Well, so that's, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah, it is, just because so, so few people know anything about them. Yes. Um, so how long have you been involved in rare invertebrates in the Cairngorms, um, and how did you get involved, and what have you been up to so far? I've been involved for almost a year and a half now. I've learnt an awful lot about insects that I didn't know anything about before, and a little bit about the habitat management as well, which is obviously integral to it now that I think about it, but I hadn't thought about that to begin with. Do you have... Um, sort of a favourite species that we've worked on so far? The one I, I've done most with is a pinehauler fly and that's been quite exciting and I really want to see an adult mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm really keen to carry on doing that but I'm happy to ha do all the other species as well. Mm -hmm. I really would like to find at least one of them in the woods outside my house. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Sort of what does it make you feel when you're out sort of looking for these rare things? Right, well I moved to the Cairngorms because I'd been brought up in the Highlands mm -hmm. and after working in a city all my life I decided I had to live in the country when I retired and wouldn't be happy in the city. And what's, your, good. And what's yeah. your favourite thing about the Cairngorms? Just the whole environment really, the fact that you've got all these wonderful outdoor spaces on your doorstep. It's lots of little friendly communities and villages rather than big cities. I'm Fiona Orangey and my husband and I moved up to Nethy Bridge about a year ago. It's an area I knew as a child and we're absolutely delighted to be back and we wished we'd done it sooner. And I was also really pleased to find the um, Rare Invertebrates group because even before we'd moved into our house I'd been out with them and actually managed to find some small scabious mining bees. I was yeah. absolutely delighted. Yeah, good. Fantastic. And um, what sort of, what's um, most special for you about this area and, and yeah, why, why did you think it drew you up? Mostly because it's the only bit of Britain, really, that isn't knackered by agriculture and towns, but mostly mm -hmm. agriculture. We, we came from a, a very pretty area in, 
in Northumberland and Berkshire on the border, but there was just so much agriculture and it's getting rid of so many species and uh, the numbers of moths and birds and things are just going down and down and down, whereas here there's still quite rare things to find and encourage and hopefully conserve. Yeah. What do you like most about the project and, and what sort of drives you to be involved in it? Well, it's great to see all the rare species and uh, to feel that you're doing something, but it's also a really friendly group and it's terrific to meet new people and nice people that, and get to know the area and go to new places. It, it's just perfect for somebody new to the area mm-hmm. as well as somebody interested in wildlife. Yeah. And um, do you have a favourite species of the six that we work on? I think the pine hoverfly, except that I haven't found one yet. <laughs> but it is the sort of rare one. It's kind of yes, like the really yes. one that, yeah. But, but so I'm also very keen on the small scabious mining bee. And last, but by no means least, is Ross Johnson and his son Xander, also known as Ant Boy. These guys have been really, really important members of the Rick team since close to the beginning. And before that, they were involved in a project called NestQuest, which helped us look for wood ants across the National Park. They've not only been key as surveyors and finding new sites for rare invertebrates, but they've also been key in spreading the word and getting other people excited about insects, whether that be on Springwatch, on YouTube, or just in their local community giving talks and handing out leaflets. So, over to them. Ross, like, you obviously spend a lot of time outdoors, not just doing surveying with insects and everything, but you do a lot of mountain biking. Um, why, why is Cairngorms nature important to you? We moved up here just gone our five year anniversary actually it was just last week that we moved up here um, and as part of that we're blessed to be living in this environment with the mountains and the nature around us like I said I've always been outdoors but we wanted to give something back so we wanted to feel like we were contributing to the local area so loads of things you could do but we met yourself through a Nest Quest event and both loved it got really excited about it uh, it was basically starting with ants they were everywhere here and from there we really just realised how much fun we were having we loved being outdoors, it gave something back, taking part in the surveying. And that all together just made it such a, a great win for us to, to be out doing stuff. We do now completely look at things differently from what we used to. So the whole rewilding yourself, the observation side of it. That when we first moved up, we'd go out and enjoy the outdoors, but we wouldn't notice all the other things like the insects and the beetles. And we wouldn't go necessarily looking for stuff. We're now you can't go anywhere with us without us stopping and running off and looking for something or calling something out and pointing at stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really become part of our life now, especially because we're up here and because we have so much fun doing it, we enjoy it. And then mm-hmm. all the stuff we experience it giving Xander as well of what we, what we now do is great. I think it's, I think it's like quite important that, um, that we have somebody like you um, on board with the insect surveying because, and the conservation generally because um, I've always thought that one of the key sort of demographics that we often miss in terms of like attracting people to conservation is people who like the outdoors, like mountain bikers and hikers, but are and love and love being outside and, and seeing the beautiful stuff, but aren't necessarily engaged with nature. Yeah, because we've got friends who do trail digging and stuff like that to give something back in terms of the, the paths, but 
now they get hooked in it with me as well because we're out and about and, and even recently there was one of our friends who posted something on Twitter where he'd seen one of the Pine Hoverfly man-made rot holes and he's posted saying, I now know what this is. I have helped introduce some of the outdoory friends to look at stuff and their friends are now rewilding their gardens and looking for things and sending me pictures. Do you know what this is? Oh, I've had one of these. So it's really good to see that that, that, that demographic has got drawn in with it as part of it and it's, it's getting bigger, yeah. How, um, how important is sort of being involved in things like Rick as a father? So one of the reasons we moved up here was one, because my love of outdoors and mountain biking, but also because with the opportunity we thought it would give sons like Xander. Especially as well as a big movement going on for getting young people involved. And it's, it's, we've always said it's more than just school strikes. It's school strikes and getting outdoors and knowing what's there, potentially surveying, recording and being part of it. We find that we think that part is as if not maybe more important than, um, mm. than just necessarily the striking side. Mm -hmm. So I find it's hugely important now for us now that we've lived it um, and all of our friends that come up, um, we, we tend to add a wee bit of that when they're here. Somebody's visiting, and we just get a wee bit of nature in with them. We get a bit of a walk. We point out stuff. Yeah. Um, we, we just try and encourage people to do that wee bit extra. And like I guess getting kids outdoors helps them with their political actions as well because yeah. then they, they're even more motivated to call for political change because then they're invested in it because they're seeing it. Yeah, and also then they've got the background of why they're asking for it because by knowing what you're or seeing the decline or seeing weird species that you're not used to because of climate change. You can then go, well, actually, I can back this up with some facts that some I know personal about. Experience. Uh, I've experienced this. Yeah, mm, it's really mm, important. Yeah. Mm. Um, and for you, Xander, but in terms of um, spending time with your dad, is it one of the things that attracts you to keep sort of going outside and spending time outdoors and making the videos? Is it? Well, it's, it's the kind of thing where we've already got so much in common. This is just another great thing to get out. And do it's getting us outside, it's getting us doing something that we both enjoy. It's a bit of father-son bonding time almost. And it, it does kind of motivate me in a lot of the times where I've just been tired or I've, I've been struggling a wee bit just to keep on going. My dad's been there, he's pushed me on, he's told me to just do this and then you'll get back into the swing of it. And I usually do, it's just trying to make sure that we always have got that aspect of it, that we're always helping each other out and... With the videos, it's great because it's another bonding time as well. And it's we both work on the script, we do the the video, the video we make it, and then we edit it together sometimes. And then it's it's the whole process of doing it. And it's not just it's we make a video. It's we make a video. We get to spend time with each other, and we get a bit of bonding activities in there. Yeah, that's nice because then then you're actual mates as well as yeah. 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 And it's like the line that you used on the Kenty Glory spring watch thing oh, yeah. my dad teaches me lots but i teach him stuff as well yeah, it's really yeah. nice it's like well actually we do that the, the research that you do for some of the stuff you come and actually share with me and i'm like really wow it's an amazing fact and you it's a good partnership i think so what's your favorite bit of um the insect surveying and the kind of volunteering side of things well clearly it's the finding the insects that you've been looking for although half the time that doesn't come true half the time obviously the saying is negative responses are as good as positive ones but it, uh, yeah. it is it's, it's especially rewarding especially when you're looking for the reinvertebrates and the cairngorm mm. species it's especially rewarding when you actually find something and it's especially as a shining guest ant is one of my favorites it's 
I've only ever seen it a few times actually. It's always the best of things when you actually find it in person and you get to see it and almost even see it in a tube and look at it microscope. It's it's just the best thing to be able to see all of this stuff. But but it's it's also the aspect of getting out, being with other people, not just with your friends and family, but it's being out in a whole community of people serving it and chatting about knowledge, sharing information, looking for the insect, finding the insect, and then hopefully getting some good results for the RSPD. I think there's also the learning fact that there's so much that we've learned from coming into this not being in any way conservationists or anything like that, and to now be able to sit and have decent conversations with a lot of really <laughs> learned people in the environment and be actually chat away and really share, and it's, it's great to have learned mm. that. And, and when we're out and about looking for stuff, you're only looking for what you're looking for, you're also noticing all the other stuff now because you're looking so closely at stuff, you're picking up all the other stuff, and that's just that whole constant learning in such a massive world. And again, the people we've met, everybody's so friendly and so happy, and they all want to share yeah. it's, it's such a nice environment no it's all the stuff that we know it's all the people we go out with half the time it takes half an hour to actually get to the site because of all the stuff <laughs> that you stop at and look at yeah. by the time you get there either that or you're walking through a bog yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never follow your footsteps that we've that's what we've learned from <laughs> take the most difficult route yeah. <laughs> And you've said you still come out in hurricanes, so yeah, definitely never yeah, follow my so footsteps. That's, that's that. If you're an outdoory person, we've, we've always said that. If you're somebody who's used to going outdoors, you'll turn up for everything. You'll, you'll turn up anyway, because for that, you're that used to being outside in any any weather to do the thing you do outdoors. Mm. When it comes to this, you go well. You pretty much can rely that these people are going to turn up and put the work boots on and say it's only wet or it's only cold. I'll get on with it. Yeah. And. You, I know that you're probably going to say shining guest ant, but can you both tell me what your favourite species is? Rick species or any species? Rick. Rick species. Okay. Um, well, since you said, no, I'm probably going to say that, I'll pick something that isn't shining guest ant. But is it shining guest ant? It would be. Okay, okay. <laughs> you could say shining guest ant. But uh, close runner up would probably be either the Kentish glory or the dark bladed beetle. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the ant as well, but I think I like pine overfly because it is so endangered and yeah. you can actually see the work that's been done and how important it is and the fact that they're now doing that breeding programme and we were lucky enough to go along and see the yeah. adults and we know they've now got larvae. So I, I like that one because it's a genuine, it's on the brink and yeah. what we're doing is actually helping it. Like you say, it's a bit of a heartbreaking one because it really is on the edge and mm. that's because we've got rid of most of our ancient woodland. But in terms of it being a challenge and you seeing the real effect, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of yeah. the more sort of exciting one to watch its story. And that's it for now. That was a small set of some of our volunteers and the reasons why they live up in the Cairngorms, the reasons why they're involved. And I hope it gave a small insight to the kind of people that get involved with rare invertebrates in the Cairngorms and insect conservation more generally. They're passionate people, they're really dedicated as well, and often we see the amazing results that come from conservation projects, but we don't often meet the people sort of behind the scenes doing all this hard work in their own time voluntarily. There's some really amazing people out there who are dedicating their spare time to making the planet a healthier and a happier and a more resilient place. A lot of these recordings were made last year at different times of the year and 
things have changed quite substantially since then. We've now been faced with a new global crisis on top of our climate crisis and biodiversity crisis. And we're realizing now more than ever how important nature is for us in terms of keeping us physically healthy, but also how valuable it can be to keep us mentally healthy when we're locked inside and all we can do is look out the window. I hope that these volunteers and, and their experience and their dedication can be inspiration, not only for how we can all live better and contribute to a healthier world, but also how by being outside and looking after nature and even just sitting and watching it can make you just really happy. So thanks everybody for listening. Stay safe. I hope you're all well. Um, my name is Gabrielle Flynn and that was Rick Kest. I have recently moved on to new adventures and Genevieve Tompkins has taken over as project officer for Rick. To find out more about the project, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter.